Faith for Today with Colin Urquhart and Julia Fisher. Well, Colin, we are almost getting stuck for words because we're getting so overwhelmed by the verses that we're reading in the Psalms that reveal to us more about the character of God and how he feels towards us. It is overwhelming, isn't it? Well, it is. You know, I just hope I make sense to everybody because I just get so carried away with how great and wonderful God is. I just want to sit here and say he's wonderful, he's wonderful. Oh, how wonderful he is. But you've proved him just as David did. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. And, um, you know, if you look at the end of Psalm 19, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Now, let me tell you something. David did not write this so that a preacher can stand in the pulpit and say it before he begins his sermon. That's not why it's in the Bible. Okay, if people use it in that context, that's fine. But it's a word for all of us, and it's a word not just about preaching. It's a word about our lives day by day by day. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart every day and all day every day be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Now we're focusing, aren't we, on what the psalmists reveal to us about the nature of God. We've seen several times already, and we're only in Psalm 19, that God is referred to as our rock, the one who is unshakable, the one upon whom we can depend, the one who we can rely upon, and he will always carry us through and lead us forth in victory. But here we have this word, Redeemer. Again, we think of Jesus, don't we? The one who paid the price for us that we might belong to him the one who redeems us out of the mess and muddle and confusion that so often we find ourselves in, the one who has saved us, has called us by name, written our names in the book of life so that now we can belong to him forever. Oh, isn't it a wonderful, wonderful gospel? How would David have known that he had a redeemer? Because as you say, this was written a thousand years before Jesus. This must from Oh, David, David's a prophet, isn't he? I mean, a so lot of... A lot of what he is saying he would have understood in one way, and we can understand it in a far greater way now. He would have known the Lord as a redeemer in the, uh, in the sense in which he has been speaking in these, in these last few psalms of the way in which God saves him from his enemies, redeems him from his enemies. And so he would have understood it in that sense. You've made the point more than once in the last couple of weeks that we have such a benefit because we know Jesus and we're in Christ and Christ is in us. Yes, I mean, we've got, we've stolen a march on on David, really. But, I mean, you just see the relationship that he had uh, with um, with the Lord. If if we go on to, to um, Psalm 20, um, verse 6, you see, we can we can see how David thinks here. Now I know that the Lord saves his anointed. Now, let me say right away, if you're a born-again believer, you are the anointed of God. Uh, In the first letter of John, he says that uh, we all have the anointing, uh, and that anointing remains, it abides. God doesn't take it away from us. So you are the anointed of God. And and, uh, David says, I know that the Lord saves his anointed. He answers him from his holy heaven with the saving power of his right hand. Now, that's reiterating some truths that we've already seen these last couple of weeks. But it's good when, when, when Scripture repeats something. It's, it's for emphasis. It's because God wants us to hear it again and again and again. So it becomes part of our thinking. It becomes part of our believing. It's the revelation by which we're living. And you see, God wants us to know, listen, you're not just some nobody. You are the anointed of God. You are someone that I have called, someone that I have chosen, someone in whom I have come to live by my spirit. I know you. I love you. 
you, I care about you, and I am the one who answers you when you call. I am the one who answers you when you pray, and I answer you with the saving power of my mighty right hand. It's all wonderful, isn't it? Some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. And that was a soldier talking. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Because, you know, uh, he knows that it's not by might or power, but by the spirit that uh, God really sets us free and delivers us. And, uh, you know, if you go on to Psalm 21, that's a tremendous psalm. O Lord, the king rejoices in your strength. How great is his joy in the victories you give. Uh, You know, he was a soldier, but he he understood the victory comes from the Lord. You have granted him the desire of his heart. You have not withheld the request of his lips. Now, you see, what what I do when when I look at these psalms is is I personalize them. So this is how the scriptures become real for me. This this is why I I get so excited, you know, about the word of God, because I I, I would personalize this in this way. You, You have granted me the desire of my heart. You have not withheld the request of my lips. You welcomed me with rich blessings. You praised a crown of pure gold on my head. He has, you know, we're crowned with his love and compassion, the scripture says. And that's pure spiritual gold, you see. So I I say all these things about myself, you know. I asked for you life and you gave it to me. Length of days forever and ever. Through the victories you've given my glory is great. I, you know, God, God does reveal his glory in us. Whenever God does anything through you, it is for the glory of the Father. By this my Father is glorified, Jesus said, that you bear much fruit. You, you can make all this so, so personal. You know, you have granted me eternal blessings and made me glad with the joy of your presence. For I trust in you, Lord, through the unfailing love of the Most High, I will not be shaken. I mean, it's wonderful. It really does add a power to this when you personalize it, yes, doesn't it? Yes, absolutely, absolutely. It sort of unlocks it. I've done this. I, I wrote a book some years ago called My Personal Bible where I just went through a whole lot of scriptures like this and showed how I, I personalized them and... And it's not changing scripture, it's applying scripture. It's applying the truth of scripture so it becomes real for me personally. And I've just found this to be such a a help. I I mean, in this program, we always want to talk about what works. Well, this works. (laughs) And this is God speaking to us directly. Absolutely. But you see, this is how things become personal. How can you expect things to be personal if you think that all the time is just talking about someone else, especially David, you know, from... A bygone era. But, you know, we go on to Psalm 22, and uh, this, this takes us into another realm altogether because we've been talking about the victory having been established by the cross of Jesus and how many of the things in the Psalms look forward to that. Well, this is certainly true of Psalm 22. The opening words are very well known. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because those were some of the words that Jesus cried out from the cross. I I think they're wonderful words, you see, because it shows that when he hung on that cross, he was bearing my sin and and all the failure and misery in my life were all laid upon him. And, And he was actually suffering what I in my humanity apart from Christ would suffer, that sense of being separated, total alienation, separation from God because of my sin. But he saved me out of that, you see, because he suffered that for me. So he knew 
knew, of course, that God hadn't forsaken him, but he actually went through that experience of feeling that he was forsaken. Why are you so far from saving me, so far from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry out day by day, but you do not answer by night and am not silent. Isn't it wonderful to know that Jesus experienced that for us in order that we might be saved? Yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. Uh, you know, many people think that what Jesus did was to recite the whole psalm while he was on the cross. I think that's highly likely. Uh, yet you are enthroned as the Holy One. You are the praise of Israel. In you our fathers put their trust. They trusted and you delivered them. They cried to you and were saved. In you they trusted and were not disappointed. Amazing that, that even these words are applied to Jesus. Yet I am a worm and not a man, scorned by men and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They hurl insults, shaking their heads. He trusted in the Lord, yet let the Lord rescue him. Let him deliver him, since he delights in him. See, this is exactly all the ridicule that was going on when Jesus hung on the cross. Amazing, isn't it, that this was written a thousand years before. And then the psalm continues in verse 9, Yet you brought me out of the womb, you made me trust in you, even at my mother's breast. From birth I was cast upon you, from my mother's womb you have been my God. Do not be far from me, for trouble is near, and there is no one to help. Now you see, that was true for Jesus. But my goodness, it's true for us, you see, that our trust is in the Lord, and he is our help. You know, there are so many situations in which we're placed where man can't help us, man can't resolve a situation. Situation. He can't answer the need. And then, you know, this is so true of Jesus, isn't it? Verse 14, I am poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted away within me. I think, I think you know, this describes what Jesus was actually experiencing on the cross. Because he didn't describe it himself. But I think this is God prophetically describing what it was like to be crucified. My strength is dried up like a potsherd. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of death. Dogs have surrounded me. A band of evil men has encircled me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. I can count all my bones. People stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. It's all such a vivid description of the cross, isn't it? But you, O oh Lord, be not far off. O oh, my strength, come quickly to help me. Deliver my life from a sword, my precious life from the power of the dogs. Rescue me from the mouth of the lions. Save me from the horns of the wild oxen. I will declare your name to my brothers. In the congregation I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise him. All you descendants of Jacob, honor him. Revere him, all you descendants of Israel. For he has not despised or disdained the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. It doesn't matter what we go through. Nothing could have been like that experience of being crucified. And yet, even when we do go through very difficult times that seem in some way to be a pale reflection of that, it is so true we might feel forsaken, we might feel confused, but yet we come, you see, to this verse 24. Yet he has not despised or disdained the suffering of the afflicted one. He has not hidden his face from him, but has listened to his cry for help. Just personalize that. He has not despised or disdained the suffering of my affliction. He has not hidden his face from me, but has listened to my cry. 
You've been listening to Faith for Today, presented by Julia Fisher. This program is sponsored by Kingdom Faith. For further information, visit our website, kingdomfaith.com. 